Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, the Habs are not good enough as they lose in the never-ending shootout to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Some call-up news and World Juniors news inside today's show. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 973 of Locked On Canadians. We are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day of the week. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. You can make every moment more right now because new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. We are, of course, your hosts. I am, of course, Scott Mallon. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, it is currently uh, 1020 at night when we are recording this. The Montreal Canadiens game started slightly after 7 o'clock, as it does. And we are sitting here uh, after gleefully, you know, thinking, ah, this will be good. We have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Uh, The Canadiens coughed up a two-goal lead and lost in an 11 10 11 round shootout uh to the pittsburgh penguins and as we predicted games against the penguins are stupid this somehow found another level in a lot of different ways to be stupid so much so that i can't read the text message i sent you that we were ready for recording because it would get our show an explicit label on it right now I think we jinxed it a little bit when we said yesterday that this game was there for the taking. I think in the last few years, Pittsburgh was so clearly widely outmatching the Canadians um, or sorry, outplaying the Canadians or or they were just so much better. Like the, the Habs were out of their depth with the, with the, with the Penguins. And we got excited because the Penguins are on a backslide and things are not going great. And then we got even more excited when the Canadians got a lead uh, and then everything went into the gutter. And here's the thing is, the first period, the Canadians were great. David Savard intercepting a pass from Eric Carlson, walking into the slot, scoring a goal. They got a power play goal in this game. Sean Monaghan cleaned up a rebound up there. And a lot of things went, uh, and I'm forgetting the most of us, when Jaden Struble went end-to-end and cashed in for a second goal in three games now. Looks incredible. They were playing so well in this game. And there was one penalty in the first period that was a pretty obvious thing. Mike Sullivan then, leaving the ice, gives the officials an earful. And wouldn't you know it, in the second period, the Pittsburgh Penguins got gifted a bunch of... And I'm going to be very charitable when I say soft penalty calls here. So much so that I still cannot find where the penalty was that Gary Galley, who takes joy in bad things happening to the Montreal Canadians <laughs> cannot find the penalty on these plays. Jonathan Kovacevic goes to the box. They have almost killed that penalty. Too many men on the ice. That penalty is legitimate. Penguins score on that. It is a three, two game. If they are not in that situation, the too many men on the ice does not happen. That's just how this works. And then 
it was coming into the Habs defensive zone, the Penguins off coming into the offensive zone. Uri Slavkovsky reaches, taps a guy on the hip, you know, solar plexus, whatever you rib cage area, and they ding him for hooking. And I look at that and go, there, there's nothing there. And I thought they were calling Caden Gooley, who kind of got the seatbelt, but not enough that I thought was a. And wouldn't you know it, the Penguins score on that one too. And I, for the life of me, I hate it when the officiating becomes the story of the game. If the Penguins came out in the second period and had five on five, you know, beat the Habs into tar back and forth and got bailed out by saying, I would understand that. That was not the case. The Penguins looked like a bad team tonight. And I'm not left believing that they are anything but a mediocre team at this point. And just third period comes, Canadians power play cannot convert, goes to overtime. Canadians power play cannot convert, lose in a coin flip of a shootout there where they were playing, mirroring each other for most of it. And I just, I'm frustrated because I'm reaching a breaking point with some of the decisions that are being made with this team here. We will have some on the new call up in the second segment here. But before I launch into that, Laura, I'm curious of what your thoughts, what you took away from this game tonight outside of Penguins and Habs games are stupid. <laughs> I mean, I have to say, Scott, like I do, I do share your frustration with the decision making here. And I don't think that, you know, when we talk about people need patience and things like that, I don't think we're outright defending the coaching decisions. Like, that's not what we're doing. We're saying they could be better, but we need to, you know, before we we start worrying about the sky falling, we need to give him a chance to kind of learn, right? I just, I feel like at this point, it it feels like he's learning the wrong lessons. And, And here is the thing again that drives me nuts in this game. Josh Anderson had a couple of golden chances to get another goal. He skied one straight over the net, got robbed by Nadelkovich on the other one, which I can't blame for, but he's trying. The Habs hit post, and everything about it is that regression is only going in the opposite direction further right now. Caulfield looks like he's fighting the puck. Josh Anderson looks like... Josh Anderson went out in the shootout like you threw a toddler on the ice and just... it. it someone called it a mercy kill. And I think we saw whatever was left of his confidence just go out the window at that point. He's a broken man, and we'll we'll, we'll talk plenty, I'm sure, about this coming up here. But it is driving me nuts again. I see Yoel Armia out there all the time. I see Josh Anderson out there all the time. And who is stapled to the bench? Jesse Olinen, who again, in the shootout, you know, is doing his best again. And I'm going to look at how much ice time he got in tonight's game here. Because this was a game that the Canadians should have won uh, in a lot of different ways here. Let's take a look at the ice time at 5-on-5. Jesse Olinen played under six minutes at 5-on-5. Lowest on the team behind Pizzetta and Mitchell Stevens. This is not progressive thinking, and this is not what they hired Marty to do. No, and I'm going to look at it like the fourth line didn't get generate a ton, but they didn't play a ton. And I'm going to sort this the other way by time on ice. Mike Matheson, Nick Suzuki, David Savard, Uri Slavkovsky, good. Gooley, Caulfield. I'm just looking at some of this. Josh Anderson played three times as much. And in all situations, uh, Jesse Olinen barely broke seven minutes of five on, or of total ice time. Does he think this is going to help Josh Anderson? 
I and here's the thing is I don't get it because there was a point in overtime after the power play failed to do much of anything that I look up and I see Yoel Armia, I see Josh Anderson, I also see Jake Evans out there, I see, and I just kind of go, what are we doing here? This is the space that is meant for your creative players. Josh Anderson, and I mean this in the politest way possible, is not a creative player. He is a brute force kind of player here. I'm not asking him to give Jesse Ullinen, you know, top line minutes. I am asking him to be used more than seven minutes a night on this team. And, and people joke that, Oh, he's just being rested for the shootout and this and that. And I get like, it is funny. It's, it is my biggest sticking point is that I understand you need Josh Anderson to score goals because he's paid so much money and everything. But at a certain point you are shooting your own self in the foot. And yes, the penalties were bad kill the penalties at some point here i it's there's a responsibility from this coaching staff that is not taking place and it's getting frustrating to watch i know people are gonna be like well, i want to lose in this and why are you not cheering for losses they shouldn't lose games they're the better team in reinforcing good habits comes with beating teams that you are better than the penguins were not a good team tonight they're a struggling team this year and I think the Montreal Canadiens are overall better than that were overall better value tonight than the Penguins were. Sidney Crosby was amazing, of course, but when you can get away with doing anything for most of the second period so you can get back in the game, anybody can look amazing in that. Uh, coming up after this, I believe, is the Islanders on Saturday. Another game where the Islanders are a team that has a winning record somehow despite the fact that their fan base seems to want to like overthrow Lane Lambert and chuck him into the river. Uh, who knows how that'll go? The Islanders can't hold the third period lead. The Canadians can't hold the third period lead. If we're going to have a stoppable force meets a movable object. And personally, I can't wait, but we do have recall news. The Canadians made another recall of a prospect winger. We're going to go over their scouting profile and everything coming up in our next segment. But first, as I said off the top, today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you think about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action because the app is safe, secure, easy to use. And when you win and you cash out on that $150, you can cash out instantly on the app. Bills are playing Dallas this weekend. It's going to be a barn burner. Can Green Bay get back on track against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and keep Jordan Love's playoff hopes alive? You can bet on all that and more at FanDuel. And if you visit FanDuel.com slash locked on, you're going to get that bonus $150 if your team wins. And you can kick off the NFL playoff season in style with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL, and us here at Locked On. And of course... Uh, this is, well, we're a day ahead of that, but the mailbag episode is tomorrow and Laura will be on game over Montreal this weekend. I will be heading out of town. Uh, I will still be around probably miserably watching the Canadians game on my phone in bed, uh, while out of town this weekend, because that's who I am. So please tweet us your mailbag questions at LO underscore Canadians, lockdown Canadians at gmail.com. We are recording the mailbag tomorrow. Laura's on game over on Saturday. Laura, we did get news today, though. Uh, yes. With not a trade. We're still waiting on the trade. Uh, Kent, there is a trade coming, I hope, at some point. But uh, more, in, well, technically not more injury news. It's the same injury news that we had at the beginning of the week. But Tanner Pearson goes to IR. 
and the Montreal Canadiens were called from the Laval Rocket, Emil Heineman, a uh, their top line winger opposite of Joshua Wah right now. And two trains of thought. They're letting Joshua Wah cook, kind of get out of his slump right now. And Heineman probably would have been called up last year if there were any reason for it based on how well he started uh, with the Rocket. Laura, what? how are you feeling about this? He didn't play tonight because I assume they wanted to get him practices, but I assume we will probably see Emil Heineman in the lineup this weekend against the Islanders. Well, that's what I'm really hoping because Scott, when, when he was first, um, he was first the return for the Tyler Toffoli trade. Uh, there were a lot of naysayers. There were a lot of people saying that he wasn't going to amount to anything really, but the Habs seemed to really want him, right? Like he seemed to be like the guy that they wanted from Calgary in addition to, you know, uh, picks and things like that. And so I feel like there's been a little, a little bit more uh, scrutiny on him due to that reason. And at first, you know, he, he's, he has had injuries. He's had bad luck with injuries. Um, and we weren't really sure what to make of him, but he seems to quietly be earning his chance right now. So I'm very, very excited to see how his game translates to the NHL level, because we did talk about how well he's done in Laval. And we also talked about how good he looked in the preseason. When we say how good he looked in the preseason, we mean, you know, we don't mean he looks like the next, you know, Cole Caulfield or Nick Suzuki or anything like that. We mean he looks good enough that we want to see more. He looks like he's done the work, taken the steps, and done the development to earn a spot, a chance in the NHL lineup. So I'm very curious and I'm very excited. And here's the thing about Emil Heineman is is, uh, heavy, 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 heavy shot. Uh, We know Caulfield can rip the puck. Emil Heineman can give him a very good run for his money on that. he, as Patrick Bexell described it, he does not shoot pucks around people. He shoots pucks through people. And he is a dynamite kind of one-time guy there. If you put it in his wheelhouse, Hattie Kalakesh of uh, Lockdown NHL Prospects pointed out, sometimes a little bit of trouble with delivering passes in or catching passes in stride. And they just got to kind of pause for a second, that processing where you see Caulfield or Suzuki or someone receive it and keep that momentum going. He lacks that a little bit. He's not fully one-dimensional. The other parts of developing, he's been a lot better making plays this year than he was last year as a distributor because he's playing on a line with Joshua, who knows how to create space, and Xavier Simino, who occupies that space. He's someone I want to see on Power Play 2 immediately. The Canadians desperately need a, a trigger man shooter on that line. And if they're not going to use Uri Slavkovsky as that guy, or if they're not going to use Jesse Ullinen as that guy, Emil Heineman is that guy. You set him up right face-off circle if I am on the blue line, the right, left, if anyways. Really, really just strong shot. They can work in defeating him. Justin Barron played with him for a little bit last year with Laval. I believe maybe not, but the opportunity is there for him to do a lot of good things here. And I don't know how long this call-up is going to be. It might just be... A temporary thing. Maybe there's a trade. Maybe there's not. Maybe they just recalled him to recall him and they're working on something else. Caden Primo was on the bench against the Penguins. Jake Allen was uh, the healthy scratch for the night there. The other side of things that I saw, and I saw a little bit more of this at the rookie showcase, and I've seen it this season, he's brought a little bit more physicality to his game. He's not a Josh Anderson light, but he's closer to being that kind of player than being a Cole Caulfield type player. I don't want to set the expectation is that he's never going to score another goal or he's never going to score a goal in the NHL. 
but he plays a more straightforward game there. There's creative elements to it, but he's going to be relying a little bit more on his line mates to help generate that space. And honestly, if they had Kirby Doc here, he'd probably be a great fit with that because Doc knows how to create space there. I don't think sticking him on the fourth line is going to make the most of his talents because defensively he's the effort is there. The results are not. Uh, I'm excited to see what he does in his debut uh, just because I know fans are clamoring for it last year. They want to see more of him. They've seen the shooting. I really want to see what Emil Heineman brings to the team uh, this weekend because I don't know how long this call up is going to be. So his window to impress is, you know, not large at this point. And that's the thing. I Like, for me, the question is, like you said, putting him on the fourth line isn't really going to do much. And my question is, like, they're calling up this guy. Are they just calling him up to have a body in the lineup? Or are they really going to try and see what they've got? And based on the current state of things, I don't have a lot of faith. But at the same time... I feel like maybe somebody just needs to shake Marty out of his bubble and say, stop, like, stop doing the same things that you said you weren't going to do, right? Stop trying to be the same coach that you've experienced in your old school NHL career, which at this point, it is an old school NHL career. The game has evolved so much since Martin St. Louis retired, and it wasn't even that long ago. So I want to see what they do. I really, really am interested in seeing that. And also, like, there's something about Islanders games. It's not like Penguins games where, you know, you always talk about, oh, my God. Whenever the Habs play the Penguins, something extremely stupid or multiple stupid things happen. I think against the Islanders, they always are a tough team. Like they kind of really take all your energy to beat. The thing about Islanders games is that nothing happens in them. It is a, a tried and true recipe of 3-2, 4-2, 2-1, 3-1, just low scoring, non-event hockey. And right now, the Canadians, who are struggling to bury goals despite creating opportunities, are playing a team that just can't help but give up goals. And I, the frustrating part for me is that if they won this game, I'd feel so much more confident walking into the Islanders game and being like, yes, they're going to walk out of this and everything's going to be fine. Now I'm looking at this and going, are they going to give up like a hat trick to Casey Sezikis or something in this? Like, I don't even... it. This is about Emil Heidemann for what it's worth. And I'm hoping they get, I'm hoping he's given the opportunity to create something in this because this is a game that's for that. Like the Islanders leading scorer, Matt Barzal has 29 points. Noah Dobson has 27. Bo Horvat, Brock Nelson, Kyle Palmieri, Pierre Engvall. Like it's a winnable game. It's absolutely a winnable game. Uh, I don't have their goaltending stats in front of me. Oh, there it is. Hold on. Let's see what their goalies look like. Uh, they're both good. So uh, knowing the way the Canadian season has gone, Emil Heineman's going to score two goals in his debut. The Habs are going to win 5-1 somehow. And then in the very next game, get shut out by whatever backup goalie they're facing. Uh, if you want to know more about Emil Heineman, uh, Patrick Bexell profiled him while he was in Europe. We've talked about him a little bit on this show before. Uh, you can search for it on YouTube. Uh, Patrick obviously is the expert on this. He watched him play there. I'm excited because it's something new and I'm glad they passed the not just rushing Joshua up here thing because there are so many expectations that go with that call up. And speaking of expectations, Owen Beck was named to Team Canada. He is the first prospect to officially be named to the final roster for a World Juniors team. Laura and I are going to discuss 
his you know path to world juniors this year and the expectations that go along with that coming up in our final segment but first it is winter time it is dark it is hard to sometimes get the nutrition that you need and i'm here to talk to you about ag1 and i gave ag1 a try because it's so much easier than taking a million different pills and supplements and everything else every morning with just a single scoop of ag1 in my water first thing in the morning, I am given all the nutrients my body needs to give me the energy and mental focus throughout the day. It's helped me get my day started right, especially when I'm getting up and it's still dark and I'm driving across the state and driving back when it's dark. AG1 helps me get through that. And all the great athletes have one thing in common. They want to take care of their bodies. And a huge part of that starts with optimizing your whole body health. So if you want a comprehensive solution that is and what you need first thing in the morning, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to drinkag1.com slash NHL network. That is drinkag1.com slash NHL network. Check it out today. That vitamin D helps you get through the winter and keeps your energy up. So check, check out AG1 today. We are back here at Lockdown Canadians. And remember, our mailbag is tomorrow. Mailbag, mailbag, mailbag. Tweet us your questions at LO underscore Canadians. Canadians at gmail.com. Laura's going to be on Game Over on Saturday after the Habs and Isles do. Lord only knows what to the sport of hockey to set it back several decades. So check that out as well. So Owen Beck made Team Canada. Not really a shock. He was on the team last year, even as a late injury replacement, ended up with a gold medal for his efforts. The hard part is he's the only returning member of this team. There's a lot of good players on this team, even with the players not coming from the NHL. Uh, Zach Benson is not going. Obviously, Connor Bedard is not going as well. And I believe uh, Matty Poitras from the Bruins is not going. The teams are not releasing them. And all eyes are on Macklin Celebrini as the top line center. So Owen Beck, once again, is playing uh, the silent role as, you know, the everything guy, it seems, on this team. You know, he was drafted by Montreal at the beginning of the second round. And doesn't he get overshadowed by the other second round pick the Cavs had in Lane Hudson almost instantly? I think the expectation isn't so much on Beck, but on Team Canada. But as the returning member, I'm wondering how heavily they are going to lean on him as their, like what Philip Deneau or Thomas Placanitz was for the Canadians for years. You are the safety blanket. We need a face-off win. We need a penalty killed. We need a key face-off one in the offensive zone or on the power play. This feels a lot like Owen Beck is going to be their, their Swiss Army knife, their Swiss Army tool, whatever you want to call it, of players. Laura, what do you, what do we feel like the expectation is for him this year? Is anything it's anything less than gold is a failure for this team, I would imagine, right? Well, it is like every year, right? Doesn't matter if the team is good or not. Everyone just thinks or here in Canada, everyone just thinks that they need to win gold because they are the Canadian team. So, we haven't talked about Owen Beck in a while, um, which is kind of a shame because it's not like he's having a terrible year or anything like that. Um, he just kind of faded in with all the other topics. Uh, and obviously last year his he, he was doing phenomenally, right? Um, I think there's a couple of things that the, the team is going to rely on him for. The first thing that was said about him when uh, the roster names were announced uh, was he's going to be relied on for leadership, 
which I thought was really, really interesting because as you pointed out, he is the returning player. He is the quote unquote veteran on a team that really um, it's all it's it's all a bunch of guys that probably came up through hockey together. You know, they've probably p- played on, uh, you know, lower level teams together. He's going to be that steady presence. He's going to be that guy that they're going to have to trot out in very many situations. And I feel like this is going to be an opportunity for him to have a little bit more spotlight on him. And we can see what the pressure uh, is, how he handles the pressure. Because I think, I think at this point, like everybody's going to be looking to him for leadership on the team and everybody who's watching and, and also like the front offices and the coaching staff and things like that, they're going to be relying on him a lot as the returning player. And I'm just looking at some of the names on here. Uh, Elite Prospects doesn't have the cuts from this up yet fully, but I'm looking at some of the centers here, and it's like Owen Beck's going to be that guy there, but also Matthew Savoy is on this team. You have, obviously, Macklin Celebrini. Like, it's a very good team, but it's also going to be, you know, on the younger side. This is Owen Beck's the only one who's played in World Juniors out of this team here, and he played all of three games for Team Canada last year. Uh, in that when he was a late in like an emergency injury replacement, whatever it is, I'm a, I, the thing is I I'm rooting for Canada to lose because I am obviously American in this and I'm going to be cheering for, you know, yeah, I know they're going to blow it anyways. It's fine. I'm used to this already, <laughs> but I'm thrilled to see what I can watch him do because I love a player who does all the little things right. And I'm excited to see Owen back on a bigger stage here because admittedly, I don't get to watch the OHL as much as I want to. He's over a point per game this year. It's not like he's doing badly. We just, we haven't talked about him because he's not making all the headlines. Because he's playing on a team that he is the only star player on it. Peterborough is just a team of, here's some guys. And it's a shame because Mississauga has got a lot of very fun players this year. (laughs) Yeah, which I could have used those. Yeah, exactly. It's because he was on a very good Mississauga team last year as well. And he's just constantly flying under the radar. And he's the guy who has like an earmarked spot heading into the NHL next year. We know Celebrini is going to get, you know, all the headlines, grab all this and lines are not even close to set in stone. Uh, Their first pre-tournament games are four to five days away at this point. Team Canada hasn't added if other players are coming in, if they want to, recall other people to add to the roster they have three open spots i believe so his role might change too he might be the third line center on this team which is a luxury that other teams can't have that oh they're throwing out their third line and it's matt savoy and owen beck out there right now good luck i'm hoping people aren't going to look at this and be like why isn't he putting up like 10 15 points in this tournament his role i think is going to be one of those in the shadows, just doing all the yeoman's work of this right now. Cause that's been his game. And that's what he's going to be with the Canadians too. There is legitimate offensive upside there, but the window on that in this tournament is going to be, he's going to be out there to set up other players. He is the lever. He is, you know, the pulley system. He's doing all the hard work that other people are going to get the highlights for on that. Uh, admittedly, I'm not one for making predictions because I don't know how Canada is going to look in this tournament. They might come out and all look terrible for all I know. And the Americans could do the same thing before anyone accuses me of bias. Uh, as that tournament goes on, and maybe once we have final rosters, we can talk to some of our friends from Elite Prospects or Lockdown NHL Prospects 
do a nice full preview of all the Habs prospects and everything. And if you have any questions right now about prospects, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, traffic cones, pigeons, um, uh, Sanka sets, whatever, I don't know. You can uh, tweet us at LO underscore Canadians, Canadians at gmail.com. We have that mailbag episode tomorrow. Laura's on game over on Saturday. Check it all out. You know, and if you are interested to tell your friends about us, wherever you get your daily podcasts, Google, Apple, Spotify, or on YouTube.com. And when you're done watching us, Lockdown Sports Today, 24-7 streaming channel. All of our local experts, our national shows, all in one place, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Check it out. That's Lockdown Sports Today. That's going to do it for us, folks. We will see you all next time. Mm-hmm.